is the two o'clock hour here on the Saturday show. I've never thought of that, but here we are. Why haven't you thought of that? I don't know why. It's okay. never struck me, but it is hour number two, two o'clock hour here. I'm Adrian Lies with Jake Hatch, Alex behind the glass at 24-7 Lundy at AP Lizer and at Jacob C. Hatch. Uh, Jake, much better on Twitter than me, but I might make a joke I, or two every once in a while. I love Twitter. It's an addiction. I freely admit that. I love wow. that platform. You're I, addicted to Twitter. I don't, I don't, I don't, like other social media platforms, I know people love Instagram, other people love Facebook and whatnot. Twitter is my vice. I do not have either of those, so Inst- I don't have Instagram or Facebook. And I, I need feel, to, I need to dump all that. I feel good about it, but I do have Twitter, and you know what? It's a good place if you can find. I'm there for the laughs and the information. So that's what I'm on there for. If you can get me in either of those, that's you've, you've won. I'm my my goal is. To I always make jokes, and I think I'm hilarious, and mm-hmm. then no one thinks I'm funny. So my goal is to make Twitter great again. It used to be so much fun. It's become a cesspool in many ways. Yes, it has. It's it's uh, toxic, as they say. I just use the uh, mute feature, and it's it's pretty good. With it that. helps. Better. It helps a lot to just people. You're like, yeah, you mute, go away. They don't know that you you don't see them anymore. Yes, because yeah. if you block them, of course they can they can see that you blocked them. Muting them, you just don't see the what they're saying, and you're like, hey, my life's a little bit better. You just put in like certain political keywords and those tweets don't pop up yep. anymore and it's just like i've got the politics removed from my twitter feed and it's, it's just sports and jokes alex used to work at political radio so i'm sure he had uh <laughs> he's had enough of that world. i do not miss it <laughs> all right well uh, welcome back uh, right now we want to let you hear from some uh people who cover the nba and might have some information on uh potential jazz targets heading into the offseason both via trade or free agency and uh both seem a little bit more possible today than they did a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. so first up we're going to let you hear from alex cobb he spoke with uh austin yesterday about uh, the memphis grizzlies and the potential future of mike conley uh with that franchise but david cobb joins me now david thanks for a few moments how are you hey i'm doing all right how are you i'm fine i wanted to start with the nba finals it appears you were uh, uh, there were you there covering the finals no, I was just uh, doing some Mark Gasol coverage from the couch because gotcha. uh, the people here in Memphis are, are still uh, really attached uh, to Mark Gasol. Yeah, we know what that's like out here in Utah as well. There's all kinds of former jazz players that have podcasts or what, we still follow them uh, closely. And with that being so fresh, I mean, he was traded at the deadline, of course, and being a, a team, a fan favorite there in Memphis, of course that's going to be a big story for you. I want to ask you about Marcus All then. How did he mostly change the Raptors at the deadline and get them to now being NBA fan, uh, champions? Yeah, I found a quote from the Raptors coach Nick Nurse a few days ago that I thought was pretty telling, and uh, I didn't realize this until I stumbled up across his quote. But uh, during the first half of the season, before the All Star break, the Raptors were like middle of the pack at best in three point uh, percentage in the league, and then after the trade deadline, uh, they get Marcus Saul in there, who is really a pass first big man. And uh, their, you know, their three-point shooting in- increased dramatically. In fact, they were the top NBA three-point shooting team in the season second half. And Nick Nurse credited a lot of that to Gasol. And I mean, he can knock a few down himself, but I think a lot of it was was his passing. And uh, we saw that for many, many years in Memphis. Uh, and I think that was a key uh, to helping Toronto really unlock the full potential in their offense in the second half. 
David Cobb uh, with us from the Commercial Appeal, part of the USA uh, Today Network, and talking about the NBA Finals last night uh, there with Marcus Gasol. We, we've seen the documentaries about the rescues he went and did, but I, I, something tells me Marcus Gasol, like Pau Gasol, is just an incredible human being who happens to also be gifted basketball-wise. Yeah, well, we've been lucky here in Memphis to have uh, guys like Mark and, and guys like Mike Conley as well, who are who are really really good dudes and really easy to work with uh, from a beat writer perspective. And uh, hey, yeah, Mark's pretty solid. I guess it, if this will tell you anything about him, uh, you know, there was a big group of people that gathered at his old high school coach's house uh, here in Memphis last night. You know, it's been. 15 plus years since since Mark was in high school, uh, but he's still just got that that kind of support network here because uh, even though he's from Spain, in a lot of ways he's a Memphian uh, because he grew up going to high school here when Pal was in school, and so uh, it, it was a little bittersweet I think for most Grizzlies fans to see him win a title. But I mean, it couldn't have happened uh, to a better guy. And and at the end of the day, it was a great fit for him basketball-wise because the role they were needing him to play here in Memphis at age 34 was was a huge ask. And they were asking him to be a scorer uh, that he really wasn't. And so, uh, really, the trade worked out, it looks like, for both teams because uh, the news yesterday was that uh, Jonas Valanciunas and the Grizzlies are going to work towards a long-term deal. And he was the, the main player that the Grizzlies got back in the trade. So, uh, maybe ultimately this will shake out as one of those rare trades that's a win for both sides. So is that why he opted out uh, Valanciunas then so they could rework an entirely new contract with him? Yeah, I mean, that's the premise of the of the Woj tweet that we've all kind of been left to unpack mm-hmm. uh, is that you know the Grizzlies and, and Jonas are going to work together towards a long-term deal. It was a little bit of a head-scratcher because, you know, the Grizzlies have Jaron Jackson Jr. now who's uh, probably a five long-term uh, but I guess, you know, he's only uh, 20 years old at the beginning of next season, and they, they think a guy like Jonas can maybe uh, help with the, the rebounding side of things and the physicality side of things until Jaron is is the complete player uh, that he'll probably be in three or four years. The Grizzlies made a hire of a new head coach in Taylor Jenkins. What do you know about Taylor Jenkins? Because I know next to nothing about him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either until about a week ago. But, uh, you know, the guy's actually got uh, some connections to, to Quinn Snyder. Uh, he worked under Quinn Snyder when Quinn Snyder was the head coach of the Spurs G League team. And so uh, there's this pretty big offshoot of the of the Popovich tree. And uh, I think Snyder kind of qualifies for that. And uh, so does um, Jenkins because he got his start in the Spurs organization. Uh, most recently he worked for Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee. Uh, but but it, it was interesting to look at some of the names that surfaced in this coaching search because uh, Quinn Snyder had ties to a few of them because Alex Jensen was brought up. He's a jazz assistant. Then, uh, of course, uh, Jenkins and then Igor Kokoskov, who was on the Utah staff for a while. Uh, he was also mentioned in it as well. So I think there, there's uh, some mutual uh, mentors and mutual connections in the backgrounds of the Grizzlies front office and their new uh, – basketball operations head Zach Kleiman and, and Snyder they're both Duke guys they both they both um, have some mutual mentors from Duke I think and that's why I think you know, there was some some overlap there um, and so uh, I don't know I was I might I might keep an eye out uh, for Taylor Jenkins he might be calling up the, the Jazz maybe uh, trying to snag a player development guy or two from from Quinn uh, because they just have so many mutual connections and, and uh, similar backgrounds 
We heard a, a few rumblings and saw some reports out of some outlets during the season that perhaps the Memphis Grizzlies front office wasn't as in sync as you'd like him to be. Not a, not one thought. There was a couple of camps if or three camps kind of uh, fighting with one another and arguing back and forth. Has that all been smoothed out, or, or was that even just a, a made-up thing and, and they've always been in sync? No, it was definitely factioned up a little bit during the season, but, but things are different now. The uh, owner came in the, the day after the season ended. It, it was really peculiar, man. It was so strange. For exit interviews, the day after the season ends, they trot out J.B. Bickerstaff, who was the head coach, and Chris Wallace, who was the general manager, to conduct exit interviews. And, okay, so Wallace endorsed Bickerstaff as the head coach for next season. And then three hours later, they're both fired. Uh, it was really odd. I mean, I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, but now, essentially, the front office has been entirely revamped. Um, a couple of the people who were in the front office have been elevated. Uh, that's Zach Kleiman, who I mentioned earlier. He's he's 31 or 30 years old, and he's now the lead of the basketball operations side. And then also uh, Tayshawn Prince uh, has been elevated, a former uh, NBA champion with the Pistons, who was working in the organization already. He played a role in the coaching search. And then, of course, the third, I guess, core member of the front office now is Rich Cho, who used to be the Hornets uh, GM. So it's a totally new regime now. I think they've got that all kind of smoothed over. And I'm curious to see if they can all get on the same page about what to do with, with, with Mike Conley. All right. Speaking of Mike Conley, you knew we'd get to this at some point. The thing leaked around the trade deadline and has more or less been confirmed that the Jazz were trying to work out something with the Grizzlies to get Mike Conley to Utah. I've also been told by some people who have touches with the conversations there that there were some that thought Mike Conley was never on the move and it was more to uh, make Mark Gasol feel like he wasn't the only one being shopped by the Grizzlies. I don't know where the absolute 100% truth lies there, but I do know that Mike Conley bounced back from an injury in a way that nobody or rarely anyone ever has had a career yeah. high in points per game last season. What is the long-term plan with him? Because John Morant is on the board. Oh, yeah, and, and I would be shocked if the Grizzlies take anybody other than John Morant. Uh, the the only you know real hints that we've been given – um, you know, well, for one thing, on Wednesday, uh, Kleiman, who's, who's leading the basketball operations, he said, you know, we could not value uh, Mike's contributions to this organization more. And if you want to read the tea leaves, that's him saying, all right, if you want Mike Conley, you got to pony up to come and get him. And so for me, I would be surprised if, if Conley is traded before uh, the draft next week. Uh, but I do think there's a really good chance he will be traded before the season, and, and Utah is on my, my short list of teams that he'll go to for a couple of reasons. One, we know there was interest there at the deadline, and uh, two, I, I just think there's a lot of sort of connections between the Grizzlies and the Jazz right now, uh, especially now with Jenkins and Snyder. They've got a relationship, and Jenkins is involved, going to be involved in, in front office decisions as well. And so, you know, I just think that there's a, at least a decent shot that, that, that those talks will, will heat up again. What do you think uh, if we could play hypothetical here if he is in a, in a jazz, if he is in a jazz uniform next season what do you think that does for the jazz's chances in the western conference Well if Mike Conley is the player that he was this past season uh, I think it would help him a lot I, I think a Donovan Mitchell Mike Conley backcourt is really exciting 
Uh, I think that could be uh, a really good. I have to think here about Donovan Mitchell is that he's a great dude. Um, you know, D- uh, Mike Conley does not have to be ball dominant. You know, Donovan Mitchell's going to get his shots, and Mike Conley can roll with that. Now, if Mike, uh, if the Grizzlies or whoever he's playing for need Mike to score 30 points a night, he's shown that he can do that. But uh, he's also uh, p- capable of, of being the distributor, playing off the ball. Um, and he can provide some outside shooting. So I, I would love to see uh, the backcourt pairing of uh, Conley and Mitchell uh, just selfishly uh, combined with, you know, of course, with what Rudy Gobert and some of the other pieces out there bring. Uh, I, I think that Conley's got a couple of more really good seasons left in, in the tank. Um, I think he proved that he's uh, as healthy as he's ever been. In fact, I, I think that uh, coming back from the Achilles injury, um, I think he got to, to really kind of rest up. Um, for most of the 2017-18 season and come back fresh uh, this past year. And um, I still think there's enough tread on the tires for, for a team uh, to really consider, you know, making a move uh, to get the last couple of years of his prime. Well, I think the Grizzlies are positioned to start that rebuild and not from the bottom. I think they're in a good spot. And uh, there's a lot of folk out here that wouldn't mind Mike Conley being part of that moving out to Salt Lake City to let the Memphis Grizzlies kind of rebuild there, David. So thanks for a few moments talking with us about that from your viewpoint. We'll catch up again with you later this summer, all right? Yeah, that'll be good. Thanks. There you go, David Cobb with the Memphis Commercial Appeal. Talking about Mike Conley, a guy who averaged 21 points a game last year, a career high, had uh, 6.4 assists, uh, and his best since the 2012 season, uh, total rebounds 3.5, and, a half, and uh, shot 37% from 3 to uh, nearly 50% from the field in general. Uh, Mike Conley, a guy that's often referenced with the Jazz, and we heard Woj earlier in the week talk about um, mel- multiple times mm-hmm. on ESPN about how that is a possibility. Um, heard David there talking about some stuff I didn't know, how new coach Jenkins there at Memphis has ties with Quinn Snyder, yeah. has ties with a lot of these guys in the Jazz office, and uh, also said, don't be surprised if they come trying to poach a couple guys off this Jazz uh, coaching staff to try to get him get them over into the Grizzlies. So a lot of ties between these organizations, not just the one where um, it got leaked in the middle of the season, which made Ricky Rubio all upset yeah. and Dennis Lindsay all upset. Yeah, of course he's off the Budenholzer uh, coaching tree, which is off of the Greg Popovich coaching tree, those two speaking yep. of Jenkins and Quinn Snyder. That would be interesting staff-wise to see how that shakes out. But Mike Conley – this that rumor will not die. No, it won't it's until he forever. goes until he goes somewhere. Right, yeah, and I'm not saying that I don't want him in Utah. That's not what I'm trying to say here. I'm just saying that rumor, that link, is not going to die yep. until something happens. And yep. you heard um, you heard him say David Cobb say that he thinks that Mike Conley is moved sometime before this season. Whether that's next week ahead with yeah. the draft going he on, said it would be very shortly. Whether it's during free, the free agency window opens up or or coming up maybe later this summer. I think the Jazz are going to be in the mix for Mike Conley. I think they've made it very clear the price that they're willing to pay in terms of what they'd have to trade for him. So I think Memphis and the Jazz are very much on the same page of, okay, this is what the Jazz are willing to give up. This is what the this is what Memphis wants in return for Mike Conley. Maybe they make a deal. Maybe they don't. And that's one different. And we'll talk about uh, D'Angelo Russell here in a minute, but um, with Brian Lewis, and we'll do that on the other side. Um, one thing he mentions is that Mike doesn't need to be a ball-dominant guard, and He's Donovan played, Mitchell would yeah. be able to play off the ball but mm-hmm. still get a lot of his shots off. So, And also, he had a couple 30-point games this season, mm-hmm. Mike did, and 
I, I just find him a really good player. The price tag doesn't scare me. And if he can follow up another year with kind of similar points and games played and things like that, mm-hmm. I don't think the Achilles scares me either. And maybe it's because he's a guard and he was able to do it. But he went from 12 games, obviously rupturing that, mm-hmm. to 70 games last season. And I think, I mean, the future of the NBA might be guys playing less games. So I think the games played thing is going to be a really interesting thing in the NBA next season. Kevin Durant, did he come back early? Load management for Kawhi Leonard, who only played 60 games or something like that this season, was able to – they rested him through the year and were able to get an NBA title out of it. Yeah. Clay Thompson's going to be resting more. Steph Curry's going to be resting more. You're going to get more general soreness. You're going to get more LeBron James missing games. Load management. Load, load management's <laughs> going to be a big thing. So It is. Uh, I, I wonder what effect that will have on the NBA. I think we're going to see Donovan Mitchell get more load management. It's just it's the future of the league, so the games played thing doesn't necessarily bother me that much as long as it's obviously in the upper, more you know the upper half of games played. But we saw it work for Toronto, the champion. Yeah, I I look at it and I just feel like you're right. Mike Conley's a guy who has played off the ball multiple times in his career. You think those grit and grind Grizzlies teams with Gasol and Zach Randolph, those guys those guys took their shots and Conley just seeded a lot of the. He just he'd be the facilitator. That would work with the Jazz. We'll see if the Jazz can make a deal for him. It's fun, though, to talk about. Yeah. It's fun to envision. And now that they have this opening there at point, well, we assume they have that opening there at point it's guard. Fairly clear, it's fairly clear, fairly clear that it's going to be open. Yeah, that, uh, they, and hopefully they can make something happen. Another guy that is often talked about uh, being a free agent and maybe somebody that the Jazz could explore and go after, they're going to have to pay a lot of money to get him here. Uh, but would it be worth it? We're going to hear from Brian Lewis on the other side talking about D'Angelo Russell and the Brooklyn Nets. He also gets into the Kyrie thing and what that would mean for the future of the Nets. That's all coming up next here on the Saturday Show. When I first saw you, I saw love. And the first time you touched me, well, come on, this song. We are hitting all the hits today. Yes, I love are. it. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. He's Adrian Leiser. I'm Jay Catch. We are brought to you by Stockton 12 Honda. Proud title sponsor of the Saturday Show. Thank them for their continued sponsorship of this. It is a blast to be here today. The weather outside is great. We're talking sports. And you'd think, well, this time of year after the NBA Finals are over, what do you have to talk about? Well, a lot. we got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about because the draft's coming up, and so is BYU Media Day, and then NBA Pac- Free Agency, hello. NBA Free Agency, and then we get into Pac-12 Media yeah. Days, and then it's fall camp, and then we're in football season, and then it's winter again. We're right back to it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, going to play another interview here uh, talking about D'Angelo Russell. And, I, man, I find D'Angelo Russell so intriguing. Mm-hmm. He's still so young. He's only 23 years old. He's feel like he's been in the league for a long time, and he has been in the league for some time. He came out as a very young player. Yep. But uh, set this up for us, Adrian. Uh, this guy works for the New York – is it Daily News or did I get this? Uh, New York Post. Post. Brian okay. Lewis follows okay. the Brooklyn Nets, and uh, he they start by talking about Kyrie Irving and what his effect will be okay. if he joins the Nets, and also into D'Angelo Russell. And a uh, Austin asked him a great question about – his maturity and how he has grown since becoming a Brooklyn Net and being uh, traded away from the Lakers after such a short time. So a lot of great stuff here from Brian Lewis, and uh, we'll let you hear that conversation now. 
Brian Lewis, who covers the Brooklyn Nets there in New York. Brian, how are you this morning? Thanks for a few moments. Oh, no problem. How are you doing? We're doing fine. What an incredible – by the way, Brian's from the New York Post. I failed to mention that. Uh, what an incredible end to the season last night just as an NBA in general. Uh, I expected that series to be a quick one in the favor of the Warriors, and then all the injuries piled up, and the Raptors, to their credit, took full advantage. And It's just so final, isn't it, when the season comes to an end? It's like, okay, what do we do now? Uh, agreed. But, uh, I mean, at least they sent it, at least they sent it off on a – an incredible note. I mean, I just, I have to admit, despite obviously Durant's injury, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that series. There were so many twists and turns and ups and downs. I, I enjoyed it a lot. For sure. It's it's one of my favorite in recent memory, and uh, I didn't expect that when the thing began. So I, I've never been happier to be wrong, I guess I could say, about predicting a series, and it was highly entertaining. But what we got to do now is focus on the uh, year-round clock that is the NBA, and their offseason is actually a little far re- more, further reaching and more crazy than the season every year, and this is no exception this summer. There in Brooklyn especially, we saw everything recently with Kyrie Irving. I want to ask you from your standpoint, does is he switching uh, uh, agencies to Rock Nation, who has all the ties with Jay-Z, who has the ties with the Nets, are we making too big of a deal of that, or is that a for sure telltale sign that he's going to be in black and white next year? Uh, I think all of us probably make a little bit too much of it uh, just because of the optics. I get it. I understand. You know, we add two and two together, and we come up with four. I, I get that. Um, I'm not necessarily buying that – that his agent is going to steer him where he wants him or anything like that. I think the situation was that he is there's there's been mutual interest between Kyrie and the Nets for some time. I think the odds are probably more than 50% that he ends up in Brooklyn. Uh, I think that's not a matter of him ending up in Brooklyn because of switching agents. And I don't necessarily think that that's a sign because I felt that way before he switched to Rock Nation. Um, uh, but I do say you're right in a general sense. Anytime somebody switches agencies this close to free agency, that's probably not a good sign for his current team. <laughs> that's probably mm-hmm. true. So I think it's probably likely, yes, that he's leaving Boston. And more than likely that if he does, he ends up in New York. And that is, again, more than likely if he comes to New York, it's probably going to be to the Nets, not to the Knicks. So tell us here in Utah that may not know exactly what makes Brooklyn Nets so attractive to Kyrie Irving. What, why, why the Nets? Well, for one, as you know, he's a local um, he was raised in this area, and he loves this area. So he was raised in South in West Orange. Um, father still lives in West Orange. Uh, just recently bought a house in South Orange. Uh, so this is, this is something that's been near and dear to his heart for a while, uh, just in terms of the greater metropolitan New York area. And also, frankly, the Nets are probably a more stable team right now than the Knicks are. Uh, the Knicks are, how would I describe this tactfully? 
Um, over the past few years, they've been kind of a hot mess. And the Nets, <laughs> since Sean Marks has taken over, have been the more stable franchise, and they have the better roster. I think they were probably a year ahead of themselves in making the playoffs this year. Granted, a lot of that had to do with D'Angelo Russell. Uh, and who knows whether D'Angelo Russell will be back if Kyrie shows up. But I think right now he's looking at the situation. They have a better roster. that He wants to be here, and they, they have a better roster than the Knicks. They are in a situation where they're more, I'd say they're further ahead in their rebuild than the Knicks are. And their player development is good, and player development doesn't end just when they get into the league. Um, so I think he's looking at it saying this is a better situation for him than playing in the garden would be. You mentioned uh, D'Angelo Russell there. Everyone in this state is coveting their neighbor when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets and D'Angelo Russell. And a lot of our listeners want to hear you come on today and say there's no way that the Brooklyn Nets can make all the money work to see Kyrie, a plus one, and D'Lo still in a Brooklyn Nets uniform next season. So go ahead, tell us that that's not possible, and we'll all rejoice. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you it's not possible, but I'm going to tell you it's highly unlikely. Hmm. Um, they would have to make a huge series of moves to keep D'Lo and sign Kyrie, and then add a major star. That's what I would tell you. So I'm not telling you that it's impossible for them to keep D'Lo and Kyrie together because there are people in that building that are convinced that that can work. Um, and they could add another forward if they did that. But if you're talking about adding, say, Durant – which they're still willing to do, despite the injury, and Kyrie, then in that case, D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell would be a casualty there. Uh, if you're talking about adding Kawhi, which I'm in no way implying that I think they would. Um, they'd love to, but I don't think that's likely. Um, then again, D'Angelo Russell would be a casualty. The difference is D'Angelo has been very patient throughout this. I uh, spoke to him last week, and he said he understands that there are big fish. He didn't say who the big fish are, but he knows. There are big fish out there that have to find a home, and my free agency will then follow suit. Um, I asked him about Kyrie, and he said, listen, obviously adding somebody of that caliber, of Kyrie's caliber, makes his team better. So he understands what the situation is, and he's been willing to wait and be patient to see how that plays out. Um, but my suspicion is basically if you're talking about adding two stars, so say Kyrie and Durant or Kyrie and Jimmy Butler, then in that case, yes, D'Angelo Russell probably would be gone. It's a, it's a good And by the way, yeah. I, think, I think he's going to be very good, by the way. Whoever gets him, if it's not the Nets, whoever gets him, I think is going to be getting a very good point guard on the ascendancy at 23. Okay, let's talk about that. How has D'Angelo Russell changed both as a basketball player and in a mature way since joining the Brooklyn oh, Nets? It's, it's night and day. It really is. It's like looking at a different person. If you asked him, he would tell you that he did not know how to be a professional before he got to Brooklyn. Uh, he obviously had been a pro for two years, but he didn't know how to be a professional. That includes 
all of that encompasses. That means knowing how to eat, what to, what to be putting in your body. That includes things like sleep habits, you know, when you can afford to be going out on the town and when you need to find yourself in your bed. Um, that includes things like recovery, you know, taking care of your body in an appropriate fashion. Um, the way that keeps 33 and 34 year old savvy veterans still in good shape, separating those from the ones that fizzle out. Um, all of these things, he just, he didn't know the value of each possession and not coughing the ball up loosely. Um, all of these things, these are things he didn't know. Um, and of course, yes, he learned <laughs> from the old swaggy P thing. Of course he learned from that. Um, he's a different guy. He's a different guy than the one that basically the Lakers ran out of town. He's a different human being. He's grown a lot. And that's why he made the all-star game. That maturity, both on and off the court, once he got into the culture in Brooklyn, which is a very good culture in that locker room, once he got into that, that's why you saw him in the all-star game. Finally, uh, specifically, how do you think he would fit into a Quinn Snyder Utah Jazz system if that were to uh, come to fruition? I, I think he'd fit very well. Um, is he a great defensive player? No. No, he's not. But he went from being a porous defensive player to being an average defensive player. Um, and he has the length and size to guard. I mean, he's six foot five. So he has the size, so he's not embarrassing you on defense as he did when he came in the league. Now he's now he's an okay defensive player. And what he can do offensively, uh, he has the vision that 99% of players in the NBA don't have. He can make passes that are flat-out jaw-dropping. Uh, and I think he would thrive, thrive in that system. So if they get him, I think they got themselves – the heck of a point guard. I, I truly believe that. He's Brian Lewis of the New York Post covering the Brooklyn Nets and NBA. He's one of the better guys. Find him on Twitter at NYPost underscore Lewis. Brian, enjoy the next uh, week of draft preparation, free agency frenzy, trades. It's going to be a wild summer. We'll hope to catch up again soon. Oh, thank you. There you go, Brian Lewis, New York Post, talking a little D'Angelo Russell. I love what he said there about how he has changed as a professional and as mm -hmm. a person. He we said, it, he said it's night and day. He'll thrive, he thinks. Yep. In this, in he this said he would thrive here under a Quinn Snyder system, and he has changed. He has learned how to be a professional athlete. Hey, that is that is very intriguing if you're a jazz fan, absolutely. Because I think, you know, it's people, you know, the, the uh, swaggy P, Iggy Azalea thing. <laughs> was very, very immature. Yeah. You don't do that to a teammate. That was D'Angelo Russell totally. Yeah, you said that something, was so something, stupid. He and broke he, confidence. And he filmed it, friends, and yeah. it just its not a cool move. But it sounds like maybe he's learned from that, mm -hmm. and uh, maybe being sent away from the Lakers was one of the best things that could happen to the guy. And, and apparently these days, if you get traded from the Lakers, you're good. So You escaped. And, Congratulations. Uh, yeah, you got out of there, and your career is better for it. So uh, an interesting piece. We've talked about him as someone we think would thrive here. 23 years old compared to a guy we talked about at Mike Conley, who is 31, I believe. So big-time mm -hmm. difference there. If you th throw him next to Donovan Mitchell, that's a lot of years together. That's like a Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum 
coming up together kind of thing. You finally have a backcourt around the same age. Yeah, I'm going to actually put up a poll on Twitter right now and ask if Jazz fans, if you have your choice between Mike Conley and D'Angelo Russell, we know there's other guys that would be in the mix, of course, yeah. but between those two, I'm going to put it up, and I'll, have, I'll also leave one other slot if you want to respond with somebody you think the Jazz should go after. Let us know who you think. At Jacob C. Hatch, you can follow me there, and let me know if you would you rather have Mike Conley or you want D'Angelo Russell on the Utah Jazz, if you had your choice for this upcoming we're, season. And we're just having fun. It's just yes. the fun part of uh, free agency is you can kind of pick these players and say, how oh, would yeah. they look in this system? Because you never know. But I'm going to take this over to Dennis and show him, right. hey, this is a very scientific process, This is a Dennis, Twitter poll, on. and they would like you to know that this is who they would like. No. no. Uh, but it, it's fun to just kind of play around with it. I mean, the Jazz, what's their history is that they find someone that we may not know a lot about and they turn him into a great player. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was what they the route they went with next yeah. week. You know? Yeah, absolutely. We don't usually, when it comes to the Jazz, if you hear a rumor, it's more often times than not, not yeah. what's happening. They've discussed it and it's already passed yeah. normally. and. I actually think this upcoming NBA draft, Adrian, I could see some movement for the Utah Jazz. They have that 23rd pick. It doesn't sound like they're necessarily in love with anybody based on everything I've read. I could see them making a move on draft night maybe and picking up a piece or two. We'll see. Yeah, I I don't know if that pick necessarily does a lot for this current roster, but maybe they find someone who can be a contributor. I don't know. 23 is not the worst place to pick. You can find somebody down there, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. But I'm with you. I think it's more likely – I believe that they should be tr- looking to trade out of that piece and bring someone in. Well, and I really feel like the Jazz, with this draft coming up, I and mean, we get to break here, we'll get to it. But I, one thing I think the Jazz will tell us on Thursday night, if they do keep that pick, who they pick, I think, tells us a lot. Yep, exactly. I'm with you on that one. And we're going to talk about that next Saturday. We'll be able to talk to you about mm-hmm. the draft. And, yep. uh, it'll be fun to talk about that. Coming up on the other side, it is time for five minutes of soccer. We're going to talk U.S. women's national team as they demolish Thailand and kind of our thoughts on the uh, reaction to that score. Also, I want to get Jake's thoughts on a something I have never seen in or that I can remember in professional sports where a coach just doesn't come to a game and goes and does something else. I want to talk to Jake about that. I saw him tweet about it, so I know you have a strong take on it, Jake. Yeah. I want to get into that as well because I found that very bizarre. And uh, then at top of the 3 o'clock hour and at 3.30, we've got U.S. Open Talk with Bob Casper at 3.30. We've got a lot of show left, so stick around here on the Saturday show. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. We're melting your faces with Rush. Greg Rubel just got Rubel's really excited. favorite team. Favorite musical band, sorry. Uh, Rush is great. It's, we're playing Canadian songs today. As Canadian theme. Alex is in charge back there, and uh, he was in Canada for a while and uh, loves him some Canadian music. And the Toronto Raptors won an oh, NBA yeah, championship. Like, come so, on, I was like, you know, I gotta celebrate. The them. real motif is the Toronto Raptors winning the NBA title. Their first title in franchise history. There's a lot of franchises uh, franchises out there waiting for that moment. I cheer for one every day, and uh, they never get close. But someday, I hope in my lifetime. It's always the debate: Would you take one title in your lifetime and never have another one? Or would you just go along for the ride and hope you get a couple someday? I'm always on the give me one in my lifetime train because I really. Well, talking about it, we're going to talk about five minutes of soccer. We're talking about a club here locally. They got one so far. Right. 
and that, Salt Lake. I think that's a debate that's always fun to have. Would you let, would you take one title or risk not getting one, but maybe multiple? It almost depends on what team I root for. It does, for me, about. it doesn't matter. Really? My, fa- my favorite okay. team, if the Vikings won a Super Bowl You'd be good. 2020, I could, if I, in 20, well, let's see, let's assume I live to be 50. So in 20, uh, that seems enough living, right? Yeah. In 2060, I would still look back and say, Give me, oh, tw- remember when Kirk Cousins threw that ball to Adam Thielen in the end zone? <laughs> and uh, Kirk Cousins, Adam won, Thielen. Won that Super Bowl. Stephon Diggs caught another miracle pass. Oh, man. Anthony Barr getting big sacks. Anthony Barr with okay. that interception. Dalvin Cook ran out the clock. I'm just, I would just think, okay. I would look back on that fondly. Fair enough. Yeah. But what's the old, what's those, that old joke where it's like, at my funeral, I'll let the Vikings linemen. Put me, me in the down. ground so yeah. they can let me down. Yeah, one one last time. time. Yep. No, Just true. kidding. Skull. We in the North. All that stuff. Anyway, it's time for five minutes of soccer. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the U.S. Women's National Team dismantling of, of uh, Thailand. Is dismantling a good enough term for this? That was the nice way I could put okay. it. Okay. I wanted to say obliterated. Uh, but the that's just the uh, complete annihilation okay. of Thailand in their opening game. 13-0. to zero. A lot of talk. Um, speaking of Canadians, we heard from their analysts. They were not happy. Uh, about the how the U.S. behaved, celebrating every goal, whatever. Alex Morgan did the Kobe thing where she counted on her hand. How many times? See, I, I thought a, it was funny. At a point, when you get like ten goals, okay, just let's just get back and get playing. See, I'm not. I'm really. I'm, I'm celebrating dance until they stop you. That's uh, that's my. I'm okay with people celebrating if it's like their first goal at the World Cup. The whole the counting on the five. Alex Morgan, who's a very accomplished player, is one. All kinds of awards has won a World Cup. I, I, that was a bit much for me. It's the for me. It's the World Cup. If they can't stop you, pour it on. Okay. And uh, I, I, I actually, I like. I'm some people say, don't dance in the end zone. Act like you've been there. No, no that, I want to see a like a. I want to see them put a guy across their shoulders in the limbo and do. I want to see everything. I want to. <laughs> I want them to dance. I want them to. They do duck, duck, goose. I want to see it all. Celebrate like it's the biggest accomplishment in your life. And okay. 13, for me, I don't. it doesn't bother me. You got any take on this, Alex? Honestly, like, I hope that in in response to all the criticism that they've been getting, that the U.S. puts up at least 15 tomorrow. Give it and 15, they celebrate nothing. every single one of them. Because, you know, like like you said with the end zone celebrations, you know, Miami back in the 80s and stuff, you know, you don't want me to dance? Keep me out of the end zone. Right? Yeah. yeah. And What are they supposed to do? Kick it out of bounds? I, I'm okay with them scoring. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like you can score, do your little fist pump, and then get back to the center circle and let's get going. I just and if it's the if it's a person's first goal at the World Cup, go hog wild because you're at the you're at the pinnacle of what you've done in your profession in my mind. Celebrate that. But like Alex Morgan, I felt like the whole like I got one, I got two, three, four, five. That was a bit much for me. That I, one. I saw something much. I'd never seen on the like a post game, like. Where they show the score and they put underneath the score who scored the goals in one oh, minute. It was like yeah. a scroll. I've never seen that before. Yeah, there was there was a lot of goals in. But tomorrow they play Chile. I'm expecting them to win. Yeah, Chile's not very good. I'll either. be watching. The, tomorrow's a fun day of sports. You've mm-hmm. got the World Cup and U.S. Open. Yep. And uh, so it should be pretty fun. Support Team USA, and that'll be an interesting thing to see what the U.S. Women's Team does. The whole Canada acting high and mighty about it. That to me. They need to have a match now in this World Cup where they score off because there's already a rivalry between these two. Uh, the Utah Royals, who play here locally, actually have 
representatives on both sides of that. Desiree Scott plays for Team Canada. Three Utah Royals players for, play for the United States women's national team. Yeah, can't for the Canadian players to get up there and be like, well, we would have, I just wanted to give him a, okay, spare us your sanctimonious take on what the U.S. is doing. All I know now is U.S. and Canada, whenever, whatever round it has to be, if it has to be in the championship, it's got to happen because they got to get these two teams on the field together. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I, it has the makings of, like, almost in a way, like USA, Canada, in. Uh, hockey a little bit yeah a little bit like yeah. a little bit of that rivalry starting up um also in five minutes soccer here rsl is in the u.s open cup right they now were in the u.s open cup the lamar hunt u.s open okay cup. I, my question is jake i wanted to ask you about this I, mike I I, petke thing i and, got some information i need to add to this and i wanted to know about it because it yeah. didn't make any sense to me and uh, so why, Mike Pecky, why don't you go into explain? Yeah, so Mike Pecky was not the head coach for RSL Tuesday night when they took on LAFC in the fourth round of the U.S. Open Cup. And a lot of people were like, what in the world is going on with this? Well, he had been scheduled to go uh, to Toronto, of all places. I know uh, Toronto seems to envelop everything this week in sports. He was there, and he was supposed to be part of a, of a FIFA World uh, coaching clinic essentially to get his coaching license and this was actually i found this out later after i tweeted about it because it's a bad look for mike pecky to not be there period there's no way to defend that Mm -hmm. but apparently this was u.s soccer speaking of the organization that runs all of the sport here in in, in the united states scheduled that clinic for this week they also for whatever reason, also control the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup scheduling. So why are you scheduling head coaches to be gone from their teams? But also, hey, we have this little tournament here that you also need to play in. So It's terribly bad. It's, it's, it, it's a black eye on what U.S. soccer is doing yeah. because you're pulling coaches away. Bob, people say, well, Bob Bradley was there. Bob Bradley has this coaching license already. He's already got it. Mike Pecky is working on getting it. And you're going to drag him away from his team – during a tournament, do you guys want to be a big time thing? The, by all accounts, they all want it to be something that the U.S. soccer fans can buy into. But if you're pulling coaches away the same week that their team's supposed to be playing in this tournament, it is a bad look. So, on the surface, it was a bad look that Mike Pecky was gone. But digging into it deeper, it's actually U.S. soccer caused this whole situation to exist. Could he have said no though? Um, if he but he couldn't have if he wants to get this coaching license mm. out of the way. It was a mandatory attendance thing for him. And these coaching licenses are actually very important for play, for coaches in this league. They want to up the status of the league. And these coaching licenses are actually international certifications, essentially. So he has to go do this to get it. It's just a bad look for this organization to um, have this tournament, but also say, hey um, – yeah, you, you, and you who are coaching teams in this tournament is happening at the same time. You guys can't be with your team this week. Yeah, it was, it's bizarre. It's just, it, and it wouldn't happen in any other sport. No, exactly. That's my point. If you want to be a big time sport, coaches get suspended. Let's be frank about it, but they don't get pulled away right. for a for a meeting. Yes, for meetings. They don't get pulled. Imagine like telling Quinn Snyder, "Hey, you can't. You're not coaching against the Rockets tonight. Sorry." Yeah, Quinn, you got to go to uh, you got to go to Vancouver and yeah. do this coaching thing over here. You're headed to uh, Bismarck for a conference. Can you imagine what would happen? The reaction of that. So yeah. this is it. Just screams to me that U.S. the soccer world in the United States. There's still a lot of ground to make yep, up. Definitely. So all right, that's five minutes of soccer. That's enough. Yeah, about ten minutes, but cool. It's about ten minutes, yep. but uh, good talk about that. I thought that was really interesting, Jake, that he was not there. And then the women take on. 
chilly tomorrow. Make sure you check that out. Uh, when does that kick off? You know 10 a.m. Mountain Time on Big Fox. Oh, that's perfect. Watch that. Then it goes right into U.S. Open coverage. Yep. Couldn't be better. Yeah, I'll be watching it in church. We'll be watching both. All right. <laughs> well, I, I'll be on the couch. I'll have it on my phone. <laughs> no, you won't. You have to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. <laughs> uh, coming up on the other side, we've got the 3 o'clock hour. Don't miss it. Also, Bob Casper will be joining us as well. That's all coming up here on the Saturday Show.